June 3rd, 2019, Artist Journal. Sticking with the format of keeping things tight and short, uh, this this entry I want to discuss process painting and the whole notion of process painting. And the reason this is always sort of figured at the back of my mind somewhat informally, but I've seen a couple of shows recently that really brought this whole uh, notion to the fore. And the first of those shows was a week and a half ago. I saw the Van Gogh at Tate Britain in London and the Van Gogh show. And unsurprisingly, they didn't have that many Van Goghs there. They had maybe 15 or 20, I would guess, in like six different rooms, maybe seven rooms. And uh, so the way that they... Uh, dealt with that and I mean it's understandable first of all just because Van Gogh is in huge demand I mean any museum that can get a Van Gogh's it, like it guarantees ticket sales because his work and his colors are so visceral they are amongst the most incredible really art works of art in the whole tradition and you might not believe that if you haven't seen them in person but then if you go to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam you may have a different opinion and so what they did was they showed the influence of uh, wood, uh, not woodcuts, although Japanese woodcuts did influence Van Gogh hugely, but they didn't show any of those. They showed engravings and these illustrated sort of 19th century uh, black and white engravings that you typically saw in magazines and in books, and particularly the works of Gustave Doré. He's pretty famous illustrator, engraver guy. And uh, so you see how Van Gogh would cut these images out and how influenced he was by popular uh, imagery and uh, sort of putting, uh, you know, uh, the cherry on the icing here. What was super... Cherry on the icing? Uh, What was super interesting about... The, the sort of the climax of this copying was this work by Doré called The Prisoners, which you can look up. And Van Gogh made basically a direct lift of this and of this illustration and turned it into a painting. And Van Gogh even referred to this, calling them translations. And I think that's just an. So I've, and I found that fascinating because it's very modern. Uh, I, I, w- I would argue. Now. This is all sort of preamble to this idea of process painting because later in the show, you see works by artists that followed Van Gogh. Van Gogh died, I think, around 1890. uh, And one small detail on that is they didn't... Like, there's a recent biography that came out about three or four years ago, maybe five, on Van Gogh. And they called into question this whole idea that he committed suicide and there's pretty interesting evidence from the sounds of it that it's possible that Van Gogh was actually accidentally shot by some kids that were sort of horsing around while he was painting or something like this. This was also portrayed in Julian Schnabel's uh, uh, At the Gates of Eternity, which is I highly recommend, which is a movie that recently came out on Van Gogh. And so just a quick thing on that, that, Tate didn't really... They basically said he committed suicide in, in, the, uh, 
in the writings that were beside the works, and they didn't really allude to the fact that there is some questioning of that, which I found interesting in and of itself. Nevertheless, so Van Gogh didn't really become well-known until about 1910, I believe it was, when they had this big uh, exhibition where they had uh, some of the post-impressionists and Van Gogh showed with them, and all of a sudden there's lineups around the block to go see this uh, show, or there's, anyways, it's very well attended. And so as a result of that, people started getting influenced by Van Gogh, and you see these imitations, and the imitations, I think a lot of them were British, were extraordinarily weak, uh, placed side by side with the Van Gogh. And you can hardly sort of blame these people uh, because, I mean, he's one of the greatest artists in the history of art. So, I mean, whose work is not going to start to look pale in comparison. Uh, but uh, to me, the revelation was near the end of the show, they had this unfinished work and they also had like some they had an unfinished work some thought to be the last painting he was worked on not the one with the crows in the wheat field uh, but this other one and they also had uh, one with branches that wasn't the greatest Van Gogh you've ever seen it was actually kind of what you might even consider a bit of a failure but this work with the branches when juxtaposed with the other uh works that came after him, the one, those people that were influenced by him, who are sort of painting a little bit in his style, even his failure, you see the absolute superiority in what he was doing. And the, and the reason why is because of the process. It's like, even, when you have a good process, even your shitty, even your like uh, low quality work will have a certain... Uh, vitality and interest even. It's almost like a scientist doing an experiment in a laboratory. It's still interesting. And again, you, you see him on a bad, Van Gogh on a bad day because his process is so developed and so strong, the other works, those people on their best day still would not even come close to Van Gogh on his worst day. So... That was sort of lesson number one in process painting, in, in the sense that I know process painting, like I was looking this up online, like how are people defining this? They're using people like Saul LeWitt. And, and the basic definition of process painting is people who are sort of more concerned, artists, when they're more concerned with how the work is being made than with the final result. And I think that's a fair enough definition, but I think think also that the end result matters, that ultimately the validity of the process is the end result. And this whole idea that we don't need to care about the end result is it was when this process painting thing goes too far or when people sort of get too intellectual and forget the whole purpose of what we're doing here. I mean, people make art for different reasons, though. So you know, that's a, that's a big generalization I was making there. But, you know, nevertheless, I think people get a little off track when they make these terribly ugly works or, like, just boring works, and then they go, well, it's all about my process. You know, okay, sure. So 
that was lesson number one was seeing Van Gogh really as a process painter. Because you see, it's like this, he's developing a formula, a way of making works. And as David Hockney said, one of the things that we love about Van Gogh is we can see how the works were made. And that's, I think that's a profound insight. So that's process painting in Van Gogh. Seeing Van Gogh as a process painter was sort of insight number one. Now, the second show that I saw recently that also seemed to deal directly with this notion of process was Picasso's late works at Museum Barberini in Potsdam, which is just outside of Berlin, about 20, 30 minutes outside Berlin. And this was also a fascinating show because it's, you know, seeing a lot of the late work by Picasso humanizes Picasso in a lot of ways because you see the playfulness. Again, there is a sense of a scientist in a lab trying out things. You see the similarity between the works, not in any sort of direct similarity, but you see the similarity in process. For example, where the reason, like one of the reasons that Picasso's always look good is his huge emphasis on contrasts. So you see, for example, there will be a very text, almost every Picasso has a very textured part of the work, at least of the late works, has a very textured area where the brush strokes and the paint gets almost this impasto thick area. And then you'll also see in the painting a very flat area with barely any paint, sometimes no paint at all. Or he'll contrast, say, the black and white, or he'll contrast color and no color. Uh, and what you see, though, when you look at, I mean, it's a very impressive show in the sense there's probably like, it felt like a couple of hundred works there. I mean, it was significant. It, it felt like you were kind of seeing what was in his studio for the, what he was working on in the last 20 or 30 years. Like, it was a pretty impressive survey of, say, 55 to about when he died. I think it was 72 or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, so that was also f uh, an example of what I would call a process painter. Someone, because some of the works you'd say were bordered on failure, but but because they stuck to this very solid, sophisticated, tried, tested, and true process, even a failure is a successful work. And that's the moral of this story that and, I, and again, I find that to be a very modern sort of thing. This, I mean, I consider Warhol, and in a sense Polka, great process painters, where Warhol, he could put like anything, he was taking a mop, he was doing anything underneath his bottom layer, he puts a screen print of detailed photographic screen print on top, maybe does a few other little, uh, you know, sometimes on the Mao he'd do a little bit of marker or on the, you know, and a little bit of more touch-up or paint a little bit over, maybe the background or something, and he was done. Like, I mean, he didn't even need to, his process was so strong, so interesting, that in a sense, he could get his assistants to do it. And it didn't require, it, it was about the process. You know, Polka, we also see this guy who put almost just random 
abstraction underneath. And then he would put, you know, not so much screen print, but then he'd use this, I think he used a projector, interestingly. This doesn't get talked about that much. Lichtenstein used a projector also for big works. Um, he would use a projector and then he'd put something very sort of detailed and uh, representational over top. So you get that contrast of sort of big random brush strokes with underneath with a very tight and specific uh, representational imagery on top. Again, often from uh, woodcuts and books, interestingly. So that wraps up this. So it's just a, a note on process painting is really what this is about. And just, uh, it's a note to myself and to whoever's listening to something, uh, it's a very interesting topic. Over and out.